Howdy folks, this is 5150 for HackerPublicRadio.org. And here at HPR, uh, sometimes I think we lose sight of the fact this podcast network is not necessarily restricted to stories about open source software. So this evening, I wanted to start with a tip for one of those other operating systems, and that's how to clone Windows Wi-Fi profiles to a new laptop. And then my second topic may not make some of you any more pleased because I'm going to talk about how to install a proprietary software package, Skype, under 64-bit Fedora. Topic 1, cloning your Windows Wi-Fi profiles to a new laptop. The other day I was copying a customer's files and settings from an old laptop to a new one. Much of this tedious task was handled automatically by Fab's Auto Backup. Fabs is, of course, an omnibus user profile copying software for Windows. It's paid and proprietary and mainly used by techs. This is in no way intended to be an advertisement or an endorsement, but as a service to any techs who may be listening, if you weren't already aware, Fabs is 25% off from now until Valentine's Day. One of the things, however, that Fab's backup omitted was the customer's literally dozen Wi-Fi access profiles and passwords in Windows. For family laptop, you usually just have to re-enter the password for the just the home router, and maybe once again for the work wireless. If you're a tech for an enterprise and the new mobile workstation needs to contact connect to multiple access points, you always wind up schlepping it around the business or campus, connecting to each SSID in turn and entering a different key. This time, the laptop would be used in multiple remote offices. The user would have been able to recreate these connections as he traveled to each office in turn, but he asked me if it wouldn't be possible instead to transfer the profiles along with the rest of his data. I had no doubt that I would be able to find a free tool to back up and restore wireless connections, but I've become wary of Windows utilities that can be found at the end of a Google search, but have not been recommended by other techs or by a website I trust. I was surprised to find my answer in some functions added to the .NET SH, which uh, is abbreviation for NetShell command, that were put in starting with Windows Vista. So if we open a Windows command prompt on the laptop that already has the Wi-Fi key set up, ergo the old laptop, and type netsh, N-E-T-S-H, space, WLAN, space, show, space, profiles, and press enter, this will give you a listing of your existing wireless profiles by name, i.e. by the SSID. Now, you can pick a Wi-Fi profile name and enter on the command line, netsh space wlan space export space profile space name and no space here equals, again no space, and inside quotes one of those uh, profile names. So name equals open quote profile name close quote space folder equals open quote uh, and then the path C back backslash or sorry C colon back backslash temp or whatever uh, close quotes 
Quotes are required for the Wi-Fi profile name, but not for the destination folder unless you're one of those people who use spaces in your Windows directory names. If you want to create export files for all your wireless connections, you may omit the name equals part. In other words, this H space WLAN space export space profile space folder equals destination path. And if you want to omit the file equals, then of course the uh, export files are generated in the current directory. The NetSH WLAN export profile command generates a .xml export file for each selected profile. The export file contains an SSID, the channel, the encryption type, and a hash of the encryption key to be transferred to the new laptop. Uh, except that it doesn't work. At least not for me and for several others who posted articles to the web. On my first try, I was able to import everything but the encryption key. All the access points showed up, showed up in uh, managed wireless networks, but I was prompted for a key whenever I tried to connect. I thought maybe this was Microsoft's attempt at security, but I could see the, the field for the hash in the .xml, and when I went back to the article on NetSH, it was clear that I was supposed to get the encryption keys too. A little more Google search revealed a second article on NetSH that gave me the argument that the first one omitted. You see, adding at the end key equals clear with no spaces at the end of the NetSH command causes the keys to be exported in clear text. Our command now looks like NetSH space WLAN space export space profile space folder equals destination path space key equals clear. Next, copy your .xml profile files to the new laptop. I'm assuming via USB key because we've got no network at this point and the file names uh, of those XML files will be in the format. Uh, capital W starting wireless space network with capital N space connection with a lowercase c dash and then the profile names uh, from before that were listed dot xml yeah you understood me correctly this dos command generates file names with spaces in them. once you've copied the xml profile files to the new system you can import the profiles with netsh space add space profile space file name equals open quotes and the file name uh, all in quotes to count for the spaces dot xml close quotes it's not quite as odious as it looks because dosnail supports tab completion so you just have to type netsh space add space profile space file name equals open quotes capital W I press tab and the rest of the name of the first profile will be filled in complete with the terminating quote press enter and you should get a message that a wireless profile has been imported to import the remaining profiles you can just use F3 or the up arrow to edit the last command I could I found I could even cursor key to the left of the dot XML close quotes and then backspace up to uh, 
connection dash and then fill in the first part of the next profile name in sequence and hit tab and it would tab complete between text. Since the original profile for the closest access point was set to auto connect, I found that the laptop connected to the network the instant the corresponding uh, Wi-Fi profile was imported. Learning of these new NetSH functions may make configuring Wi-Fi more convenient. For instance, I can maintain a library of wireless profiles for the organizations I service, or I could implement an encryption key update via batch file. I can also see ominous security implications for networks where users aren't supposed to be privy to the connection keys and they have access to pre-configured laptops such as schools or libraries. One could just whitelist the MAC addresses of only the organization's equipment, but there's always that visiting dignitary to whom you're expected to provide unfettered network access. Besides, Anyone with access to the command line could just use ipconfig to display the laptop's trusted MAC address, which could be then cloned for a computer out in the parking lot or across the street. Only way I can see to secure the connection from anyone with physical access to a connected laptop is to install kiosk software that disables access command line for everyone. And yes, I tested the NetSH command from both administrator accounts and standard account. In other words, you don't have to be an administrator on that laptop to run the NetSH command and generate a clear text export of the wireless encryption keys. On to my second topic, installing Skype on 64-bit Fedora. Last week I had some problems with the landline at the house and my cell phone was run down and on the charger, uh, so I decided to see how quickly I could install Skype on my Fedora laptop as an alternative to running over to a neighbor's house to call the phone company. I hadn't played with Skype at all since I had it on my Windows workstation, so I downloaded and installed the .rpm for Fedora 13 Plus. All Skype has is a 32-bit package for Fedora, though they do have 64-bit packages for other distributions. And sure enough, when I tried to launch Skype after installing it successfully, uh, the icon bounced around in compiz fashion, then the application item on the taskbar closed without doing anything. I looked for information on reading the Skype output logs and troubleshooting from there, only to find that the folders in my home directory where you would expect the logs to be didn't exist. The ArchWiki told me I might have to create home slash dot Skype with capital S slash logs with a capital L, which I did. The application still continued to crash without generating a log. And I'd heard someone mention once in a call-in podcast that before they connected, that had to perform some additional steps to get the 32-bit Skype client working under 64-bit Fedora 15. A Google search took me to the katam.log, I don't know, I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right, K-H-A-T-T-A-M, there's a link below, 
I experienced some trepidation because the steps described involved installing additional 32-bit libraries. And if you heard me on the Hacker Public Radio New Year's Eve show, you might have heard me say that I've experienced a bit of dependency hell over conflicts between 32 and 64-bit libraries. But I have to say the instructions in the article went absolutely flawlessly, and I don't know if katom.info represents one person or more than one, but in any case, you rock. Uh, here's the, well, again, this is in the show notes, but uh, I'll read out the full link, www.khattam.info slash howto-install-skype-in dash fedora dash 15 uh you know one five not uh in numerals dash 64 dash bit dash again in numerals uh 2011 dash 06 dash 01 dot html so first after using our uh rpm dash ivh uh space and then the rpm name to install the rpm file as root run yum update next add the following lines to etsy slash rpm slash macros which if it doesn't exist you'll have to create again this is in the show notes uh percent symbol underscore query underscore all underscore fmt space percent sign percent sign open curly bracket name close curly bracket dash percent sign percent sign open curly bracket version close curly bracket dash percent sign percent sign open curly bracket release close curly bracket dot percent sign percent sign open curly bracket arch close curly bracket and then save the file and finally the last step install the following 32-bit libraries and here's where I thought I would probably have to have some trouble and thrashing around and trying to figure out because recently every time I've gone to install a library, it won't, uh, I said New Year's Eve podcast, it won't just install. I have to do a yum search on the first part of the name and type it in uh, with the version number and uh, .x86 underscore 64. But this went uh, installing these libraries went just like it showed in the article. Uh, no additional hassle. Uh, it's yum, again, of course, is root. Uh, yum, space, install, space, qt, dot, i686, space, qt, dash, x11, dot, i686, space, lib, capital X, v, dot, i6, x86, space, lib, capital X, capital S, C-R-N, capital S, A-V-E-R, dot I-686. And after I had completed and installed the new libraries, I was able to launch the application and log into the Skype account I'd created online with minutes so I can talk to people for plain old regular telephone service. Only problem I'm having so far, when Skype comes up, it works. I don't like the fact that it wants to auto-launch every time, and I guess there's no way in the program to kill that. I'm going to have to find uh, what launches it and kill it, because really the only reason I would, would use it would be in emergencies when the phone were down, or if I wanted to connect one or two 
one of the group discussions that still uses Skype. I certainly have no reason to have it running 24-7 in my taskbar. And it does, I, I don't about you folks, but oh, this new laptop is uh, certainly faster than any computer I've had. It's a dual core, but still, uh, it seems to hang for a minute while it's waiting for Skype to load every time I turn the computer on. And yeah, that's, that's not acceptable. So I have to find a way to hunt it down and kill it. I want to end by saying I hope this will be the start of more frequent contributions by myself to HPR. What I would like to do is something I'm going to call How I Did It. By that I mean probably a dozen times a week I find a new piece of software I just have to try out. Or I learn something new from the command line. Or I find a new way to make the uh, systems on my network interact. I'm simply never completely satisfied with my system configuration, and if you're listening to this, I doubt if you are either, and I figure some small percentage of those experiences will be worth sharing. I'm certainly not a Linux guru, and a lot of my topics may make the more experienced listeners scratch their head and wonder why I'm talking about what everybody already knows. But I figure if I have to go out to Google or open up a man page or post a question on a forum, or even haunt my friends on IRC to get an answer, then I've learned something. And some of it may be of interest to some of you. It may even save you some time someday. I'm going to be talking about what worked with my particular combination of systems and distros and applications and hardware. What I'm not going to try to do is take a subject from the top down and kick it to death and tell you how to make it work uh, with every distro and every desktop. And I'm thinking just maybe there's someone out there with a similar configuration to mine who will be able to glean that one little detail that would be missed in a broader strokes discussion. For instance, I only knew not to give up on the 32-bit Skype client under 64-bit Fedora because I heard someone join a podcast late, and their excuse was they didn't realize there were extra hoops they would have to jump through to get Skype working. I also hope others may consider whether their daily experiences enhancing their systems and just keeping them running may be worth sharing as well. Until next time, I've been 5150 for HackerPublicRadio.org. Please feel free to leave your comments on the HPR page. Or you can fill out the contact form on my blog at thebigredswitch.drupalgardens.com. Actually, seriously do. I'm the only one that goes there and it's lonely. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All Binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons 
attribution, share alike, free.org license.